Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 77. Today, we're going to talk about the NFL Awards. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. We have a new uh, class inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then, of course, we're going to talk about our thoughts on the Super Bowl. And I'm sure we all have some interesting opinions. We were all, unfortunately, incorrect in our picks. We, we were unified in, in the Chiefs being the winner and... Uh, Obviously, as you know, that did not happen. So we'll discuss our thoughts on that, the implications moving forward, and uh, take you through it all. So let's start by introducing my co-hosts here. We have Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan. How are you fellas doing on this momentous post-Super Bowl week? It's draft season, baby. Yeah, that's right. Let's go. Pretty much. <laughs> that's right. That's the mood right now. My thoughts exactly. It's been draft. I mean, to be fair, it's been draft season for like a month now. <laughs> Uh, like two months for me. For so, me, yeah. yeah. For me and Durgan, <laughs> yeah. it's been it's been draft season for a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's exciting. I love the draft personally. We're gonna have a ton of coverage. We've uh, enlisted some some more writers on into our army. So take keep take a look at our site when you have a chance. I think you you won't be disappointed. Weeklysprawl dot com. We're gonna have a ton of content coming up. Um, but let's dive into the first topic that we want to discuss today. We're gonna talk about the NFL awards, which were announced. You know, first glance for me, nothing looks too out of place, but what do you think, Durgan? Yeah, so uh, we can break down who won what. Uh, MVP Aaron Rodgers, uh, Offensive Player of the Year with Derrick Henry, Defensive Player of the Year Aaron Donald, Offensive Rookie of the Year Justin Herbert, Defensive Rookie of the Year Chase Young, Comeback Player of the Year Alex Smith, my boy, and uh, Coach <laughs> of the Year Kevin Stefanski. Looking at that list, I don't have any issues with anything besides Defensive Player of the Year. I... All year, I said, no way, Alex Smith deserves to win Comeback Player of the Year because look at his stats, and it was terrible. But when I look at who was a second-place person in Big Ben, does Big Ben really need an award? Like, that guy's kind of a dick. So whatever, I can live with him not winning that award. Alex Smith, good for him. Uh, might be the first person ever to throw it more interceptions than touchdowns and win an award, so good for him. Pretty much he won the award for coming back and being better than Dwayne Haskins, but that's neither here or there. Uh, so Defensive Player of the Year. I thought it should have been TJ Watt. I know Aaron Donald is the better player. He's the best defensive player in the league. I, that I can't dispute. <clears throat> but it's not always who wins the award as the best player. I mean, look at the NBA. LeBron James has been the best player for 15 years, but he doesn't win MVP every single year. Because some years, you know, he's more... Stats are not as good, or he's more passive, and he turns it on later. Aaron Donald was great this year, but he was kind of the guy who was taking the double and triple teams and letting everybody else around him succeed, which is a great you know, player. That's a great thing to do. But in terms of Defensive Player of the Year and the impact he had on his defense, TJ Watt, I think, carried that defensive line the entire season. Had better stats across the board, led the league in sacks, had double the tackles for losses than Donald did, double the amount of pressures and hits than Donald. And I would even put Xavier Howard over Donald, in my opinion, because mm. he was incredible in the secondary for the Dolphins and they really turned that team around. I mean, yes, that Donald had, I think, 13 sacks, 12 and a half sacks. That's an incredible year. He's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the few guys in the league who could retire right now, and he's going right to the Hall of Fame. But TJ Watt, in my opinion, should have won over him. You're insane. Casey, what do you think? <laughs> I think Dargan's wrong. Uh, next topic. Uh, no, I, I have banged the, the table for Alex Smith the entire year. I called it in the offseason, offseason yep. projections. I was like, Alex Smith, he's going he's gonna to yeah. come back. He's going to get some starts. He's going to lead the Washington football team to a NFC East crown. And that's exactly what the guy did. Stats aside, 
Uh, all right. He went five and one as a starter. He beat the uh, previously undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, and he got the Washington football team to the playoffs uh, in a very weak division, albeit. But he did what he needed to do without Antonio Gibson for a number of games with his his ankle injury and, and foot injury. Uh, and there's really not a lot of weapons on that Washington football team. You know, you got Terry McLaurin, and that's about it. They have a tough offensive line. There, there's not a lot to work with, but he found ways to win. He found ways to, to move the ball when he needed to, even if he's you know not being perfect. He's not. I don't think anyone's gonna say like, hey, he played out of his mind. But the dude almost died a couple of years ago. He almost lost his leg, and then he came back and uh, got a team to the playoffs. So, props to him. Very deserving. Um, and you know, I can't think of anyone that should have been even close. And I think it was 49 to one was the voting for Alex Smith. And some little fuckhead Me. had to go and vote for Ben Roethlisberger. Was the other vote for uh, ben, Big Ben? Was that one yeah, vote? It was. Oh my gosh. It was me. Someone had to go be a little weenie about it. And, uh, you know, didn't respect the fact that Alex Smith almost lost his entire life and then came back and played football. So um, if I find out who that writer is, that voter, I'm going to petition to have their vote revoked because Alex you Smith will, is my guy. Your petition will probably be <laughs> denied, and I'm going to say your efforts are better used elsewhere, but I, I love the passion. <laughs> well, moving on from my passion for Alex Smith, I'll talk about a guy that was taken in the same draft class, uh, Aaron Rodgers, winning the MVP. Very Don't much deserved. Um, and... Uh, you know, he played at an, an entirely different level this year than he did in the first year with Matt LaFleur. Um, I mean, we were having discussions of whether Rodgers was done last year. Uh, he wasn't as accurate. He wasn't as comfortable. He was making some bad throws. Um, he wasn't throwing on, on rhythm and on time. And there were some real issues. Despite going 13-3 and and being the worst 13-3 and team that ever walked the face of the planet and making it to the NFC Championship game and getting blown out, um, you know, the question was still like, hey, what are we going to do with Rodgers? And that eventually led to the Packers drafting Jordan Love. And then here we go. Rodgers has a transcendent year where he's throwing 48 touchdowns and throwing like no interceptions and, and led the number one ranked offense in the entire NFL. So very much deserving for him uh, in that regard. Derrick Henry played out of his mind as the offensive player of the year. He got to 2,000 yards, which is rare company. Um, Titans know how to pick those 2,000-yard rushers, man. Him and Chris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. They know very different styles, but uh, very fun guys to watch, electric, um, and uh, excited to see you know how long this can be sustained because he's been going for two years now. I mean, I mean he struggled early in his career, but uh, he's a fun guy to watch, and, and he really helps make that offense go. So um, I think he was deserving of that offensive player of the year. I don't think he was the most valuable because even with all that, you know, the yardage that he racked up, um, you know, it still felt like the Titans were a tier below a lot of the other playoff teams. Um, as far as Donald and TJ Watt go, like you said, you can't debate that there's not a better defensive player in the, in the NFL right now. Like there's a lot of voter fatigue, I think, because, you know, it gets boring voting for the same. That's why Bill Belichick didn't win the, the coach of the year Coach's award year. like every yeah. single year. That's why LeBron doesn't win every year. Um, so I think that's a real issue and people just get kind of tired of doing, quote unquote, the right thing and voting for Aaron Donald. Uh, but the guy had 105 pressures on the season. The next highest was Shaq Barrett with 97 and then no other player, including TJ Watt had more than 75 pressures. Uh, 
So from the interior tackle position, they moved him around a little bit in Brandon Staley's defense. But like you said, he gets double teamed, he gets triple teamed, he moves all over on that offense, or sorry, on that defensive line. Um, the uh, the impact he had in the passing game and getting those pressures despite all of that is, is very very impressive and you saw how that defense changed when he wasn't 100 percent during the packers packers game right that defense sort of collapsed they didn't get a, as much pressure uh, and the packers tuned him up for 400 or so yards so uh in my mind tj watt deserves a lot of love if there was like a a 1b to the award he can have it yeah. but i think aaron donald is clearly 1a and uh so props to him he's uh you know making a case for you know if he is if he's able to continue this for a, a, a number of more years he, he might be able to make the case of being one of the best defensive players ever ever you know for sure like with yeah. with reggie watt or reggie white and you know if lawrence jj taylor. had stayed healthy maybe jj watt would, would have been one lawrence taylor um so you know props to him the dude works hard and he's a beast um you know justin herbert chase young both look like superstars um you know i think chase young may be a little bit overhyped he had seven and a half sacks on the year which is nice but that defensive line was loaded and that gave him a lot of one-on-one opportunities and you know seven and a half sacks is 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 cool it's it's nice to have but if you're going to be a dominant edge player uh, when you're getting one-on-one opportunities, you got to get more than the seven and a half sacks. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see both of those guys continue. Stefanski did what no other Browns coach could actually do and won with the Win. talent that was on the roster. So uh, we've been saying they've been talented for years and Stefanski finally did something with it. Good, so Good for you, Stefanski. Finally making the Browns actually good. <laughs> Relevant. With, with what they have. I, you know, I think you summed it up really nicely, Casey. I'm just going to quickly touch on the Chase Young thing. Um, there's only so many sacks to go around, and that defensive line is stacked. I think if he doesn't take the a jump in this next year and he hovers in the same area, he's going to have sort of that Jadavion Clowney concern where, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to be elite, but are you? You know, and there's going to be questions. So if he, if he needs to hit that double-digit mark, I think, and I think he can. He's he's proved that he could. Um and seven and a half in a rookie year is good. But let's talk about some other... The, the only, I mean, listen, all of these I think well-deserved. I think the defensive player of the year... I'm going to have to disagree with Durgan on the TJ Watt um, and, and and basically your favoritism. I know you love the, the, the uh, Steelers here, but listen, oh, yeah, TJ maybe. Watt, if he won it, I wouldn't be mad. Like, I wouldn't come out and be like, no way did he, did he deserve it. Like, great season for sure. But context matters. And, you know, Casey brought it up that the pressures, that's insane. And then you even look at the fact, I mean, Aaron Donald is an, primarily an interior pass rusher. He lines up in different places in that defense. But to have 13 and a half sacks as a defensive tackle is in, is absolutely insane. And interior pressure can can do amazing things for, for a defense and open everything up for your edge rushers, open everything up for your secondary. It's It's insane the impact he has and what he can do for that Rams defense. And just for some some context around that 13 and a half sacks, I mean, he's the only defensive tackle this season to have double-digit sacks. DeForest Buckner was close, and Chris Jones was not as close, but those three are the only ones to have more than seven. And he had six and a half more than Chris Jones, for for example. So his impact, I don't think it can be understated. And, I, you know, I, I 
If I was voting, if I had a vote in this, it would 100% be Aaron Donald. It wouldn't even be close in my opinion. But uh, TJ Watt's great. You just look at the defensive end landscape, the pass, the, the edge rusher landscape. There's a ton between that 10 to 15 sack range in the league. So you look at the defensive tackle, the interior rusher landscape, and the context there, uh, there's, there's none. It's just Aaron Donald. So anyways... My take on that. Everything else I think is well-deserved on this list. Casey, you touched on every single one. I'm not going to rehash it, but um, pretty much I think everything fell in line with what we had anticipated. One quick thing. I said earlier that TJ Watt had more pressures than Aaron Donald. I think your stat might be right, Casey. I'm going based on the stat that J.J. Watt put out. And now I'm thinking about it. I think he might have uh, pushed out some fake news because he only said that (laughs) J.J. Watt. His brother? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, he has like... Tackles, sacks, tackle for losses. Okay, those are concrete mm-hmm. stats. And then he has pressures. He has TJ Watt at 55 and Aaron Donald at da, 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 42. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, never mind. Maybe they're using some sort of different uh, metric of pressure. But I'll take that out of the way. That makes me feel a little bit better about Aaron Donald, but I'm still sticking with my guy TJ Watt. Even yeah, though his man, brother yeah. is pumping out some fake news. JJ Watt is TJ Watt's biggest fan. I'm not. I just want him to start campaigning for Derek Watt, like fullback, hey, getting him. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> fullback he love too, man. They do. They're they're an important part of uh, a you know a handful of offenses. Yeah, five <laughs> not a lot offenses. of offenses, but they you know use check you know is good yeah, for a game changing play once or twice a season. So you know those guys shouldn't go unloved. I think the only thing that that people may argue about eventually is. Uh, or are currently arguing about is Justin Jefferson versus uh, Justin Herbert. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. I think, you know, Justin Jefferson looked like a a star and and fit really well in that Minnesota offense. Um, You know, I think the future is bright for for the Vikings with with him. Um, But if you put it in the context of how valuable somebody is, and which I don't know if you do with rookies, I think the the quarterback position is clearly more valuable. Yeah. was Justin Jefferson's performance in a bubble more impressive as a receiver compared to other rookie receivers than Justin Jefferson's was? Or fucking Justin. They're both Justin's, Justin's man. Justin That's, squared. Justin squared. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. Than Herbert's was as a quarterback. In a Here's what I'll say. I, I understand what you're asking, and this will not answer your question. But <laughs> I wish the award for rookie of the year was like three. I wish it was like QB rookie of the year, offensive yeah. rookie of the year, and defensive rookie of the year. Just because I feel like every year there's a standout offensive rookie, and it always gets overshadowed by a quarterback in that position just because of the importance of the position, the bias towards that position. I wish it was broken out because Justin Jefferson, that was a historic rookie campaign. I mean, the dude had like 1,400 yards. He balled out, and there were a lot of questions around him. Can he play outside? Is he strictly a slot receiver at the next level? And he pretty much proved like... He can do whatever the hell you need him to do at an elite level. And this, to, to, it can't be understated. Rookie receivers generally don't perform well. So for him to come right. out and do this, it's insane. And this, the ceiling is limitless, potentially. So d- I don't want people to get discouraged if he comes out next season and doesn't have 1,400 yards. He's, he's going to be an elite receiver in this league. So I don't know. I mean, Justin Herbert also did some things. Again, it favors the quarterback that these awards always will. Same same thing with MVP. Uh, but MVP is pretty much quarterback, right? And then you have yep. offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. So I don't know. I wish the rookie structure was similar in that there would be sort of a something for the quarterbacks. And then you can also award uh, offensive skill position player. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of Justin Jefferson being so great this year, and that's rare for a rookie receiver. It just doesn't happen all that often. That might be the second toughest position to go from from college to NFL. In college, there's not that many great corners, and defenses are playing a lot of zone coverage, a lot Mm -hmm. of loose. Yeah, They'll let you score points. That's not a huge deal. NFL, it's okay, you're going to be with a guy who's as big as you, as strong as you, and will press you at the line of scrimmage. I think the first hardest position to succeed in as a rookie is a quarterback. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're seeing younger quarterbacks get better and better every year. But Justin Herbert, when I mean, look at the circumstances he came in with a his first start, he literally found out five minutes before the game he was playing. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, shout out to the doctors. They're the reason why Justin <laughs> Jefferson is a rookie of the year. Uh, so he had a lot more to overcome, in my opinion, including coaching. I mean, Anthony Lynn, you know, no offense to yeah. him, didn't do too much. And Justin Jefferson's running back, Austin Eckler, missed most of the year. Yeah, he had Keenan Allen. But Justin outside Herbert's of that, running back? Justin Herbert's receiver, yes. Now I'm getting you're talking about the Chargers, right? Yeah, you're getting the Justins <laughs> yes. mixed now, up. Now, so. we're, now yeah. on the Chargers, Justin Herbert, good. So Austin Eckler was out. Uh, Keenan Allen, obviously, he's a stud receiver. But Mike Williams, the number two, was hurt most of the year. Hunter Henry, this is the first thing he was healthy, but he's up and down. And they had a lot of young receivers besides him and no offensive line. So yeah. Justin Herbert had to really carry that offense, and their record wasn't that good, but they were a lot better than that indicated. And I think he really kind of took responsibility of that offense, and I think he deserves a lot of credit this year. I mean, I, I think when you look at his season, he was a top eight quarterback. In terms of the whole season yeah. looking at it and what he had to deal with, he was an elite-level quarterback, and so I think that's why it gets to tie to him. Uh, no offense to Justin Jefferson, but Herbert, and also the quarterback, like you said, they're always going to get the tie. So I think that one was uh, well-deserved for Herbert. Yep, I agree. Agreed. And I mean, they both answered questions, right? You know, yeah. was Justin Jefferson's college performances just a product of Joe Burrow? Um, you know, is was Herbert destined to be a bust? Clearly, both of these guys are elite. So um, good on them. Good on them for sure. Let's talk about some other elite players now entering the Hall of Fame. We have a list here. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Megatron Johnson, John Lynch, Alan Faneca, Tom Flores, Drew Pearson, Faneca, Bill Nunn. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Uh, what do we think about this list? Yeah, once again, I got no major issues here. Uh, I am happy to see Calvin Johnson make it as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's either a second or third youngest Hall of Famer to enter at age 35 because he retired so young. But to me, it shows that these voters, like they are for MVP and all these awards, they're full of shit. I mean, Terrell Owens, when he didn't get in for his ballot, I think he got on his third try. He was like the second Mm. or third greatest receiver from a statistical standpoint, and he had a weight. And Calvin Johnson was a baller. He's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. But he got in first ballot, no problem. So I want to see a change in the voting system and who is actually voting. Right now it's media people. It should be more coaches, more former players, people who actually you know, were more studying these players and how they did. So that's the kind of one thing I took overall. Not that I have a problem with it because, once again, Calvin Johnson, anybody our age in their 20s or 30s can appreciate, that guy was the man. And in Madden, you wanted him. You didn't want the Lions, but you wanted to have Calvin Johnson on your team because you threw the ball up in the air, he was catching it. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love the guy. You always force also, trade, right, with the Lions yes, yes. when you do a yes. franchise trade, in Madden. Trade override. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, last thing I want to say is it's really cool to see Manny and Woodson go in the same uh, Hall of Fame class because their careers are really intertwined. Uh, both college superstars, and 
I believe it was 1997 season, was a season that everyone expected Peyton Manning to win the Heisman, no problem. And then Charles Woodson becomes the first defender, a primary defender, to win it. So they've been kind of going at it their whole careers. Manning went number one in the 98 draft. Woodson number four. They're both maybe the best players at their position, or not the best, but up there in the best. I think Woodson is the best defensive back ever. Uh, obviously, there's a few guys you can argue. And I had Manning as my third best quarterback ever. So they're two of the best, and they've always been the best as long as they've been playing. So congratulations to everyone uh, who made the Hall of Fame, uh, and most importantly, Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, because that's guys I watched grow and play during my uh, group or my age, I guess. I didn't watch Sean Lynch play. I mean, I, I was like eight when he retired. Tom Flores, I was he was done before I was even born. And Drew Pearson, I never saw him play either. But congrats to them. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, sort of on the topic of, you know, the uh, popularity contest as far as being in the Hall of Fame and not being first or, or second ballot or, or whatever, I think Tio definitely was deserving of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And mm-hmm. while Kevin Johnson may be one of the, the youngest first ballot Hall of Famers, I think we could see Tom Brady go ahead and be the oldest first ballot <laughs> Hall of Famer because he's going to be like 49. 50. 50 or something and uh, you know he's obviously first ballot um I, I don't think i mean who else would have retired at that age and have gotten in nobody no so um on the flip side of that there you go be, be waiting for that stat to pop out yeah. uh in a couple of years you want another fun stat just tying those two together uh i was gonna bring this up at the end but you're you're giving a good segue here pointless it's pointless but it's kind of fun megatron was drafted had his career really good career and then inducted into the hall of fame all between brady's third and tenth super bowl appearances so during the span of tom brady's career megatron had a hall of fame career and then was inducted into the hall of fame uh that's crazy (laughs) yeah i you know i remember being a Packers fan, I remember you know watching Calvin Johnson go up against the Packers, and the Packers didn't have a, a good defensive backfield for quite some time. And you just throw a couple slants to that guy and let yeah. that man run, and uh, that would single-handedly keep the Lions in ga- in the game, even though you know they they had struggles on other parts of the roster. So that dude was a beast. Um, you know, a DK comparison to Calvin Johnson to me, Ooh. they're not that close right now. Yeah. I know a lot of people like making that comp. Um, you know, they're built kind of similarly, I guess. But, dude, Calvin Johnson was physical as an MFer and uh, attacked the ball. And you, you, like, if you haven't seen it, you can go Google. I think the Lions threw it against the Bengals. Stafford just threw that thing up there into triple coverage. And, yeah. and Calvin Johnson went and plucked that ball right out of the, out of the air. Um, dude was a beast. And then Charles Woodson, I think, like Durgan said, I think he's the most dynamic defender, especially in the defensive backfield. He played all over the field. He played corner at an elite level for a long time, and then he sort of transitioned to safety. Uh, Even after he left the Packers, he had a number of good years with the Raiders at safety uh, before eventually retiring. Um, So big-time baller. He had a knack for making plays. He had longevity. He had leadership. He had ball skills, and he had the talent. Uh, Manning is obviously Peyton Manning and he you know early in his career sort of like Lamar Jackson has now and a couple of the young quarterbacks may face themselves but he had the the narrative that he was a choke artist in the playoffs 
um, for most of his career. He like could never win the big game. He would always, you know, lay a dud in the playoffs. And he eventually got that first court win as a quarterback in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then he was the first quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl with two teams. And now Tom Brady, how fun is that for him to join that list now that he's done it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And then finally, I mean, Alan Fanica, fantastic offensive lineman, was uh, a physical guy, very technically sound. And Tom Flores finally gets in. And he was the first Hispanic quarterback in the NFL. He was the first minority head coach to win a Super Bowl. And he was the NFL's first minority GM. So he was a trailblazer for the Hispanic community, and he had to wait way longer than he should have to, to get into the NFL. Uh, definitely a key piece in, in NFL history and, and getting uh, more Hispanic involvement in, in that community and, and creating a, a fan base and, and blazing that trail for everyone else to, to follow him. Yep. And now Coors Light will need to find a new commercial to use because Tom Flores has made it. <laughs> so if you haven't seen what I'm talking about, they, they basically highlighted what Casey's talking about, that it's time for Tom Flores to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I agree with you both. All of these guys, listen, well-deserved. I also remember I have a lot of nostalgia around those three that Durgan was talking about, Manning, Woodson, and Megatron, of course. I agree with Casey. Woodson might be the best DB maybe ever. Um, I, that might be kind of bold. I don't know. But he's he was just growing up. like He was the example of what an elite defensive back was, the versatility and just absolute shutdown wherever he was. So... I and on top of that, like Megatron, man, I know we talked about it a little, and I remember uh, playing the Eagles franchise as a kid in, in Madden, and just always the first thing that you would do was just get Megatron get on your Megatron. team somehow. Uh, you know, whatever, give up all your first round picks. Who cares? You're just playing one season anyways, <laughs> right? But dude, this guy, I mean, what NFL record does he not own? Like he has the most yards in a single season. He almost eclipsed two thousand yards in a season as as a wide receiver, which is insane. Um, most seasons with 1,600 yards tied with Marvin Harrison, Torrey Holt, Antonio Brown, and Julio Jones. Um, most consecutive games with at least 100 uh, receiving yards. Most consecutive games with 10 receptions. Most 100 receiving yard games in a single season. Like the list goes on. This dude, he may not have had like the historic playoff runs and and the Super Bowl wins, but this guy, I am not shy to say I think he might be the best wide receiver in. NFL history from a physical physically gifted perspective okay. like I don't know that we'll ever see somebody as dominant at the position as him did he have the same career as as a lot of other you know very very highly regarded receivers he he may not have in terms of the, the winning and, and uh, playoff runs I think he was in the playoffs twice in his nine-year career um, should have been more really should have been more similar to like a, the Matthew Stafford syndrome I think the Lions just that's just the Lions yeah. I don't I don't know but Megatron man if you haven't seen Megatron highlights, if this wasn't your generation and you just started watching football, go watch Megatron highlights, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you can find them. This dude was unreal, like literally a cheat code. So, and the DK Metcalf comps, that's bullshit. Like, forgive my language. Holy <laughs> hell. Like, just because they're both big and fast, Megatron was a different breed. I'll tell you right now. Like, I, no, I'm at a loss for words. Anyway, I think he might be my, one of my favorite receivers just in general. Um, but yeah, well-deserved. Peyton Manning as well won me a fantasy league way back when, when he was on the Broncos. Good on him. Yep. Everyone everyone <laughs> here is well-deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And I also agree T.O. was a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's all I got to say. 
You guys got any other thoughts on this uh, Hall of Fame class before we dive into the main event, the reason everybody's here, the Super Bowl? One, one quick point I want to make about Calvin Johnson, a great story about him. His combine, he just went there to show up. He wasn't going to do anything. wasn't going to test athletically. And then the last moment, the size run the 40. So he borrows some guy's cleats, goes out there, runs a 4-3 at 6-4-2-30. Absolutely insane. With somebody else's cleats. Somebody else's cleats. He didn't, <laughs> didn't train for it. Like, guys like, spent like three or four months training for the combine, all this stuff. He literally just, okay, yeah, I'll run. Boom. This absolute is like destroying everybody else uh times and if he was on the lions if he was if he had pain manning his quarterback they'd have to shut down the league because that would not be fair he would have two thousand yards every single season in his prime dude and imagine if he trained with like proper form for the the 40 yeah he probably would he probably would have been four two something yeah like high four twos yeah that's insane that's absolutely insane all right. Yeah, res- respect to him for sure. Him, Randy Moss, most get physically gifted guys that I think I've seen. And we're both on sort of the – when I was on the younger side watching. But, like, yeah. they, they stood yeah. out. You could tell, like, they're they're on a different level. Like, there's elite athletes all over the field, and then these guys and are making them. those elite athletes look average. Yeah, so. yeah. I think the only guy who may come close that's still in the league, and not maybe not now, but in his prime, is probably Julio Jones. Julio, yeah. Very like from that athleticism perspective. Um, anyways, we can we should dive into this in more detail in the, in the off season when we when we need some content. I, there's there's some fun discussions to be had around that. Uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl though. Interesting Super Bowl, maybe. I don't I I don't know. I didn't I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I'm sure we all have our own opinions on the game and what happened. Let's dive into our thoughts, Durgan. We'll start with you. What are you feeling? Well, this is the first Super Bowl that made me actually feel old because I'm just sitting there like, these commercials suck. I remember back in my day, these commercials were back good. Back in my day. Then the, the halftime show was absolutely terrible. And I'm like, the weekend sucks. And I go on Twitter, everyone's like, oh, it's pretty good. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, what it wasn't happened? that people? bad. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was one of the worst ones I've seen. Oh. I'm a tough critic, but like, that was bold. one of the worst ones I've seen. <laughs> I didn't but, hate it. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Like, it, I don't, it was just okay. I mean, he's not bad. It's the, the, his background music was way too loud. And half the things, like, I was, like, getting carsick almost. Like, the back when they were in that little room thing and the lights were flashing. God, like, you sound Jesus, like my man. dad. I, I, I feel old. <laughs> I feel old now. Give me, like, Taylor Swift next year. Give me some really basic music, and I'll love that. That shows my uh, music appreciation right there. Um, besides the point, the game. Uh, I called it not being very close, but I got it the wrong way. I went against my own logic. Don't bet against the GOAT. Tom Brady. I, I am a guy who is still was still clinging on to the fact that Joe Montana could be the best of all time. Yeah, that's out the window. Tom Brady is the best of all time, and it's not even close. Uh, total domination from the Bucks. They ran the ball very well. Playoff Lenny looked like his, his best game maybe in his career, if we're putting everything in perspective. Super Bowl Lenny. Okay. Super Bowl Lenny. Super Bowl now. Super Bowl that's Lenny. right. Championship that's Lenny. Right. And the offensive line for the Bucks was fantastic they did a great job i don't think brady got hit that much if at all really uh, and also they got into the chief's head chris jones in the first quarter he was mouthing off and like starting fights he got a 15 yard penalty and tyron matthew don't know what brady said to him there's back and forth on that but he was totally in his own head he was losing his mind which is not good you don't want your two best guys on defense go acting like that in a huge game the Bucks act like they've been there before, but in reality, they haven't, besides Brady, which was interesting, and Gronk, too, I guess. 
But uh, Bucks defense, they won them this game. Tons of pressure on Mahomes. And I'm not going to say Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy had a bad offensive game plan because their offensive line was so banged up. But over 90% of the time, they didn't bring an extra blocker. After the first quarter, after the first quarter and a half, you can see this Bucks defense getting pressure. You got to bring an extra guy in the block. You have to have an extra tight end or extra offensive lineman. Anything to you know, give Mahomes even a half second more that would have helped. And Mahomes, he didn't play all that well. Um, yeah, he was you know, scrambling around for his life on one foot half the time. Uh, so that is part of the reason. But as a bitter Niners fan, I want to say a point here that's going to offend a lot of people. In the you know, eight quarters of the last two Super Bowls, seven and a half of them, he has not played well at all. The last quarter last year, the half quarter, half quarter and fourth quarter when he turned it on and beat the Niners is what makes me cry at night. But <laughs> in the biggest stage, he hasn't been the Mahomes we've seen every other time he's on the field. So that's something something to point out. I mean, yeah, it's gonna I'm bitter, so he probably just me expressing my feelings but someone's gonna if he does that again in Super Bowl and they lose I don't know someone's gonna say something and I'll be like yep I said it first that's is that's you <laughs> you're gonna be the one to say something new that, yeah, I'll say it again shock the world but <laughs> yeah I mean good calls really I, I I don't know how Mahomes could be Mahomes when you watch that game uh, fair enough yeah Casey what do you think yeah Durgan said he wouldn't say Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy didn't have a good game plan, but I'll say it. They did not have a good game oh, plan. Yeah. They got outcoached. You know that both of your tackles are gone. You know that you're incredibly experienced up front as a whole, and you're not going to give help. You're going to continue to play, I don't want to call it hero ball, but that flashy form of ball with the, the long developing plays and uh, attacking the intermediate and deep portions of the field that's just not a recipe for success. Like, I don't know what you would have seen on film to make you think that you could hold up against that front and be able to hit plays deep downfield. Um, the Buccaneers did some really cool, interesting things. I'm doing a breakdown on them. Uh, but, like, the Chiefs just didn't adjust. Like, the Tampa Bay really, for the most part, sat with two high safeties, and they played man underneath. And they knew, and the corners knew, that I can jump every single thing underneath because one, my pass rush is annihilating this offensive line, and two, I have help over the top, so I'm not worried to get, about getting get beat deep either way. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not much time for them to hit something deep, and if you know they do manage to, Mahomes runs around like crazy, like he usually he did a number of times in the Super Bowl. Props to him for you know he clearly left it all out there. I don't know if he played a very good game, but. Um, even if you spin around and run around a lot, you have safety help over the top. And the Chiefs just didn't really take advantage of that underneath stuff. They didn't ship. They didn't leave people into block. Um, Mahomes was pressured on in 2.5 seconds or less on 43% of his dropbacks. So that's like by the time you get to the top of your drop, you have pressure 43% of the time. On the flip side, Tom Brady only had pressure 10% of the time within 2.5 seconds or less. So you say that number, it felt like a lot more just watching the game. It did. It felt like every every play, Mahomes was running for his life. And some of that was on him. I think he got a little skittish. He didn't sit in the pocket very well a lot of the time. Um, his drops tended to get a little bit longer as the game went on. So usually you want to be in like that sort of 8 to 10 yards at the top of your drop. And if you get further than that, that makes life for the tackles incredibly hard, right? That, that takes away the angle that they have to make their pocket. Um, so 
it made the the whole system sort of fall apart and then i think you started to see a little bit of hero ball i need to make a big play and make something happen to spark things and they just were not able to do that so um you know, I, I thought this game would be close and some back and forth. I, I thought Tampa had a chance, and I talked at length the last podcast that, uh, you know, the offensive line was going to be an, an issue, and I talked myself because I was a little vindictive uh, picking against the, the Tampa, Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they beat my Packers. I was like, I you know, I want to pick the team I'm rooting for. Um, I didn't put my big J journalist hat on for, for this game um, because ultimately I think, you know, that front – is that wins games you know the defensive and offensive line and the the bucks clearly won on both sides of the ball up front and for me that was the the deciding factor how they dealt with pressure um how they held up up front they got you know over five yards of carry on the ground the tampa bay buccaneers did tom brady didn't have to play all that great he just did what he needed to do to to get things done um didn't have to move much um, Tampa made a good adjustment on, on offense. Their, their average depth of target, uh, went down to 5.9 yards per attempt. And during the season, they were at 8.8 yards. So they, they attacked underneath. They made Kansas city tackle. Kansas city is one of the worst tackling defenses in the league. Uh, and, uh, you know, it worked. They played efficient football. They adjusted away from what Arians loves to do and Byron Leftwich loves to do, which is push the ball downfield. Um, they showed more flexibility in their scheme than Kansas yeah. City did in theirs. And that's ultimately, I think, why they won. So props to Tampa. I hated them all year. I hated them all year. I picked against them. I kept saying they were going to be inconsistent. But they found a way to get it done. And uh, that was the most complete game I think I've ever seen, maybe from any team that I can think of in recent memory, not just in the Super Bowl, but from top to bottom, that team was just incredibly efficient. They were there to win. And I, I think in some ways um, that fire can stem from having home field advantage in a way. Because if you go out and you lose a Super Bowl on your home turf, every single time you step out onto that field on your turf, you're going to have the memory of losing a Super Bowl. And if I was a player, if I was a coach, there is no way I would let that happen. Not that that's, you know, everyone's motivated to win a Super Bowl, but a little bit extra fire to know like, hey, I have to be on this field eight times next year. Maybe more if we we win a home playoff game. Um, there's no way I'm going to have this memory sit with me uh, if we lose this Super Bowl. And they came out and they played they played hard. So props to them. They were ready. And it seemed like the Chiefs were less ready. And familiarity. I mean, you know, I, I think home field advantage is more than just what you mentioned. Like that's a that's a field you're you're familiar with. That's a that's an arena you're familiar with. And even just the the limited amount of fans that were there, I mean that kind of stuff can have an impact, I think. I don't I don't know necessarily that it was big enough to make the difference in this game just because yeah, the Bucks yeah. kinda dominated. But in general, I mean, it's definitely it definitely helps. It doesn't hurt to, to play somewhere you're familiar with. To, to your routine is the same as a player, as a coach. Um, but I agree with you. I think Andy Reid and, and Bienemy. I think they got out coached just flat out. You know, Bruce Arians. Props to him, man. The great game plan. They they did not adjust the Chiefs. Like not once did I think I see did did we see anything different like throughout the the whole game from their offensive scheme. 
Um, so I don't know the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And Andy, Andy Reid was looking pretty insane out there, uh, throughout that game. So Brady gets a seven Super Bowl in, in his 10th appearance. That's a 70% win percentage in the Super Bowl. It's pretty nuts. And I think it kind of cements him as the greatest of all time and probably untouchable in that position. I mean, listen, this guy, this, he came up against Breeze. He came against Aaron Rodgers. He beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That's a pretty historic run for his seventh Super Bowl that I think I don't know anyone can ever touch. Uh, I, I'm not sure. He beat Taylor Heineke, too. So let's not forget. Hey, All right. Taylor L- Heineke listen. had the best game of <laughs> any quarterback he played. Well, and then here's the other thing. They looked the worst against against Washington, I think, out of any other yeah. game in the playoffs. Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with Vita Vea coming back. Like yeah. him coming back made a huge – he was balling. He was. He's a big dude. He was, he was moving people yeah. around in both the championship game and the Super Bowl. So uh, don't sleep on those defensive tackles. He was. He played really well coming off injury. Yeah, and I mean, they're edge rushers too. And just in general, that defense, yeah. you know, just through the trenches, like you mentioned, right? They were healthier on the offensive line, and that defensive line just balled out. Um, and I mean, this, I was reading a stat, this is kind of crazy to me, but this is the first time Mahomes has played in a game where his team did not score a touchdown. And that's not just the NFL, that's throughout his entire football career. So I, that book kind of blows my mind. And then you take a look at just the NFL, this is the first time that he's lost a game by double digits in his NFL career. So for it to happen in the Super Bowl against the greatest of all time, that's not something that I think he'll ever live down in his journey to potentially be the greatest of all time. I don't know that he can get there now. Um, And then, I mean, let's just think back for a sec. Pre this season, Tom Brady, free agent. There were literally two teams interested in signing Tom Brady, the Chargers and the Bucks. There were only two teams. That kind of blows my mind now in hindsight. Clearly, the Bucks made the right decision. And then not only did you get Tom Brady, you got a plethora of talent that wanted to play with Tom Brady. And that talent showed up on the biggest stage. You look at Gronkowski with two touchdowns. Do you think he would come to the Bucks or in general if Tom Brady wasn't there? Hell no. There's no way. You know Tom Brady called up his boy and was like, hey, man, let's do this. And then Gronk shows up, right? Antonio Brown. Yeah, he has troubles. Yeah, he, I mean, it's, it's his own fault that he's was on and off rosters but definitely wanted to play with tom brady in a chance to get a super bowl he had a touchdown in this game too that's big leonard fournette also came probably to play with the greatest of all time he had 89 yards and a touchdown so listen the impact goes beyond just tom brady's performance he helped shape this team into a contender um i don't know man the fact that he's coming back too like this is kind of scary like I don't know if he if he gets eight Super Bowls. Like, do we ever see anybody? He has no. more Super Bowls right now than any franchise does. Yep. Obviously, six were with the Patriots, and that's tied for second. But damn, like, come on, man! I'm kind of tired of it personally. I mean, this is a dude. He's literally a legal adult older than Patrick Mahomes, um, <laughs> and he he he's old enough. To, Patrick Mahomes is young enough to be his son. He, he definitely sunned him out there on the field. But like, uh. I'm tired of seeing Brady win. I'm ready for some some fresh. I, I don't know. I was rooting for the Chiefs. I was kind of sad that it didn't happen. Um, I, w- I would have preferred a new dynasty than to see Brady continue his personal dynasty, if that makes sense. But this was a bad game from the Chiefs all around. Pressure, turnovers, penalties. They were. I think. I think they had like ten penalty, eleven penalties for 120 yards, and then you look at the flip side of that, and it's like 20 yards on penalties for the Tampa Bay. They they beat themselves just as bad as the Bucks beat the Chiefs, and um, you know Trevor Lawrence out there doing poor punts, 
Um, <laughs> not Trevor Lawrence, uh, not Tommy, Tommy Townsend, but Jesus, the, man. He's got the flow, though. He's yeah. got the flow. He's got those locks. But my God, man, I just felt like the Chiefs couldn't get out of their own way. Um, and then you look at the stats. It was, it was actually kind of close statistically, but when you look at yards, when you look at uh, conversions on third downs, and just in general, the game was was close from a statistical perspective, but the Bucks dominated. And I was shocked when I saw you check out our Instagram. We have some of the stat breakdowns from this Bucks defense. They had three sacks. It literally felt like they had double digit sacks like oh, that yeah. game. Like I don't remember a play where Patrick Mahomes wasn't under some sort of pressure. Like Casey mentioned, sometimes it was his own fault. They're down. He needed to make a play, held onto the ball for a long time. But most of the time, everything they had drawn up was blown up immediately. Um, so, Props to props to the Bucks. Props to Antoine Winfield Jr. for getting revenge on Tyreek Hill. I don't hate that. I don't hate him doing that. I know that I was a taunting it. call. You loved it. I, I mean, I, it. I know he got a penalty. The game was probably in hand at that point, anyways. But the you can't forget Tyreek Hill like did a backflip over him, right? Or some he he, yeah. he disrespected that man. So props to Antoine Winfield Jr. getting his his uh, revenge on that. And also shout out my guy, LaShawn McCoy, who is now back to back Super Bowl champ without playing a single snap in either Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but you know, otherwise Brady's the goat. That's, that's how I'm going to wrap it up. Do you guys have any yeah, thoughts before we sign off I mean, here? This was, this was the one opportunity for someone to sort of dethrone him. I think two Super Bowls to six for Patrick Mahomes makes it within reach. I think exactly. he plays for another 15 years, but now you're one to seven and you lose the, the head to head. You're, you got to make it to six more Super Bowls and win that's them tough. to tie. And then people are going to say, oh, but you lost to Tom Brady. Exactly. So if Tom Brady retires um, tomorrow and Patrick Mahomes gets six or seven Super Bowls, you still lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So <sighs> ultimately, God though, damn. it's the Packers fault. And I apologize for for <laughs> everybody for having to witness. Damn Tom it, Brady Packers. When we had the opportunity, you know, uh, really, you could even say it's Jared Cook's fault for fumbling that ball because the Saints were in control of that game. Uh, they were winning by like, I think, 10 points at that point, And then Jared Cook fumbled that ball you know what tom brady does with turnovers he went down and scored and uh you know eventually came back and beat the saints and then went into lambo and beat the packers and then you know went in and stayed home and and, and beat the chiefs so you know so it's it can be tiring but you got to respect it like we're never going to see this again i don't think and uh um props to brady the drive is unreal the culture change he brings is unreal and uh i wish they were in the afc and not the nfc <laughs> agreed agreed Dirk, any final thoughts here before we uh, wrap up episode 77 i was rooting for tom brady so i'm happy about all this so <laughs> you were rooting for tom brady yes wow. i i've i've lived with tom brady my entire football life i can accept he is the best i can't accept another person hogging the media spotlight for the next 15 years especially seeing his brother and his girlfriend fiance on tiktok and instagram being annoying as all hell so great player patrick mahomes but you you're too much for me it's not your fault it's everything around you is fault i did see a tweet that was like hey tom brady's from the bay area so technically the niners won the super bowl right yeah yeah let's go with that <laughs> <laughs> is that why is that why you were rooting for them durgan essentially no, no. No, I know, I'm, I'm just messing with I, you. I'm getting PTSD because Niners should have got Tom Brady, but whatever. I don't care. My butt hurt. You, sound, okay. like, you yeah. sound like you are. 
You got Deshaun Watson though, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and Matthew Stafford. Him. Yeah. We're gonna get we're gonna get Trubisky. That's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna be furious. <laughs> Why not Kirk Cousins? Why not just no. go go for it? <sighs> I'm so sad now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I'm so sad now. Why? Why do this to me? Why? Well, it's because last time I said I was sad, and you were like, "Well, my week's better than Casey's." So <laughs> fair. Right, touche. Now touché, I gotta have touché. a better week. He just Antoine, Antoine Winfield Jr. to you, dude. He did. He signed. <laughs> Got his revenge on you. Let's wrap things up there, though, on episode 77 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you so much for sticking with us and tuning in to our Super Bowl thoughts. Uh, we really appreciate you listening in and sticking with us. Before we sign off, I want to give my co-host a chance to plug some content you should be on the lookout for. Casey, what should the listeners be looking out for? Yeah, we've referenced Madden a number of times in this episode. So if you want to be better at Madden or just understand general passing concepts better when you're watching football and you see, you know, why did this play work? Uh, we're doing a weekly series of passing game concepts that are going on in the NFL. And a lot of them end up being in Madden because they're the popular passing concepts that are going on in the NFL. They work for a reason. So if you want a little bit of film analysis and seeing teams run them and how quarterbacks are supposed to read them, how they're supposed to attack defenses. Um, every single Monday, there's going to be one of those up. Um, just released one on the sale concept this week. Um, pretty simple read and and play that almost every single team has some f- form and variation of. So that is up on the website. And then there will be a Super Bowl breakdown uh, releasing on Thursday, looking at the Bucks defense and how they um, dominated that Chiefs offense. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if you're in Madden and you're going play type and picking short pass, long pass, you're doing it wrong. You got to do it by formation <laughs> in case you'll help yep. you get there. Um, or also just learn it. You know, it's a lot of really insightful stuff that you may not realize you're watching, but you'll be able to dissect the game a lot better. Uh, Dragon, what about you, man? Uh, postseason mock draft is already out. Uh, don't forget, like I said, and it's this article that if you don't like your pick, it's because I hate your team. In case you already uh, noticed that, that I hate the Packers, so yep. I screwed over their team on purpose by giving them a like, great true. linebacker prospect. Uh, and then also <laughs> tomorrow, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown from USC, Equinemius St. Brown's brother, a scouting report will be up once I finish it in the next 20 minutes. And then also our guy, new guy, Max, he has a 2-2 Atwell scouting report that came out Tuesday. And he will also be releasing some sort of draft coverage most likely every single week. So keep an eye out for that and any more writers we have coming up. Nice. Hopefully Equinemius' brother is better at uh, two-point conversions than Equinemius. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a low blow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am sorry. Uh, let's wrap things up there, though. This has been a Weekly Spot production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you for sticking with us for Episode 77. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, morning, afternoon, night, whatever time it is that it is awesome and we will catch you next week for episode 78 